Tattoo Traditions is a podcast dedicated to the history of tattooing and those that have made significant contributions towards it. This episode is sponsored by ButterUp, a natural, organic, vegan tattoo butter that's made in the UK. We've used it and we can't recommend it enough. This is the aftercare for you. Visit www.butterup.co and use the code Tattoo Traditions, all lowercase, to receive 10% off all tattoo aftercare. If you're an artist or a shop interested in stocking this magic, send ButterUp an email for more information. The link is on their website. Follow ButterUp.co on Instagram. This month, we met the legendary Mark Mahoney at the Mandrake Hotel. Mark is one of the coolest and most authentic tattooists you'd ever have the pleasure of meeting. His career has impacted tattooing in a huge way, helping pioneer the fine line black and grey style that is so huge today. It was great to hear how Mark started out and we think you'll enjoy hearing his journey. This is on. Yeah, Let me lot. tell you a good story while you're setting up. Yeah. So during lockdown, I went to this little gym, you know, my gym put the equipment out in the parking lot, which you can do it in LA. So all year long when all the other gyms were closed, I was able to go to mine. Mm. And uh, kind of at the same time, you know, like nobody ever says hello to anybody who makes eye contact or looks at anybody. Mm. But there was this old lady, probably, you know, 10 years older than me, and I'm an old man, and, you know, kind of wild gray hair. And she would always, like, you know, look at me and smile at me. And so this went on literally for over a year. Yeah. And then one day, the um, she's getting trained by a trainer, which she never did before, and I know the trainer. Mm-hmm. So as I'm getting ready to leave, he comes up and says, Mark, Mark. He short stops me, he says, uh, I got someone I want you to meet. And he brings me over to this woman, you know, the old lady, and says, Ann, this is Mark, Mark, this is Ann. She thinks you have some mutual friends. Uh, and I'm like, wow, and I'm thinking in my head, that, yeah, that ain't like that. me. And this is yeah. San Marino, which is like the rich neighborhood next to Pasadena. Yeah. So uh, I'm like, oh, cool, nice to meet you. Who do, who do you know? You know, and she's like, do you know Ed Hardy? I'm like, <laughs> fuck yeah, you know, I worked for Ed, and and she goes, and uh, Mike Malone. I'm like, oh my god, I'm like, Mike Malone was my idol. I love that guy. When I started, he was to me the funniest, most entertaining tattooer. Nobody really talks about him anymore. No. Nah. He was such a badass. Yeah. But she says, and Sailor Jerry, I'm like, fuck, <laughs> man. Ding, ding, ding. She says, uh, well, my husband and I lent Mike Malone the money to buy Sailor Jerry's shop. <gasps> and we flew from New York with the cash to give him for the thing. I'm like, so you bought fucking Sailor Jerry's shop. That's great. She's like, yeah, and you know, and uh, Mike did, gave us a bunch of those drawings that they have on the wall. I'm like, Jesus, man. Where the 
coolest old broad in town. <laughs> I'm like, you know, they're super valuable. She goes, yeah, that's what they tell me. <laughs> but, you know, she goes, I'll bring some down. So she brings a, like a funky old CVS, like a boots plastic bag yeah. with like four or five of the most beautiful flash sheets in the world. Probably 50s, Sailor Jerry in wow. his prime. And they had little strips of burlap uh-huh. glued yeah. to the side, like a, a, a demi-frame, like a half-frame thing. Oh, fucking cool. Wow. But yeah, that was, that oh, was cool a cool character. little story. <laughs> and it, it got me thinking about Mike Malone. Mm. Well, he was a huge presence in tattooing yeah, when definitely. I started, you know, and uh, did amazing tattoos and was, you know, like part of the in crowd with Ed Hardy and he was greatest on and the only one who would take the piss out of Ed. He was yeah. such a fucking wise ass and <laughs> really hysterically funny. Yeah, and uh, he also over there taught, you know, another unsung hero and friend of mine, Mike Brown. Oh, yeah. I worked with at Good Time Charlie's for a long time, and then he worked off and on at the Shamrock. But I think there was a long period of time where Mike Brown did the best lettering in the world. Oh, yeah? You know, he just, his, his script was so, had such a beautiful flow to it, you mm. know, and working in East L.A., that was, you know, super important. Yeah, of course. Stuff. But, yeah, Mike was a beautiful person, man. Yeah. And I think both of them guys, and myself included, mm. all had kind of depression, you know? Yeah. And figured out different ways of dealing with it. Yeah. You know, I don't know what the connection is with tattooing and fucking depression. Yeah. yeah it seems like I know a lot. It's of common. Super common within in artistic industries. It must be a certain part of the brain that's more susceptible, maybe, to feeling depression and stuff. Maybe. Yeah. There's been a lot of it, especially lately. It seems to be a lot of it too, huh? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. After that, yeah. People that weren't depressed, you know. Yeah. Fucking. Yeah. And my amateurs, you know what I mean? Yeah. They just come in. <laughs> You're not OGs like me. <laughs> With these, Mark, I like to try and start at the, you know, at the beginning of your work. Right, right. It's tricky, but I like to start real, sort of your first, how can you remember your earliest memory of seeing a tattoo? Like, do you remember seeing them when you were a I, kid? I do remember the first, yeah. the first thing I was... At Revere Beach in Boston, kind of the Coney Island of Boston. Right. With my dad, and I'm having a nap on the sand. Mm. And then I hear a guy comes up to my dad, and they're talking. And I wake up, and there's this guy's leg, yeah. and he's got a huge pinup girl on his calf. Cool. And I was like, you know, right eye level with yeah. it. I'm like, damn. <laughs> And he's cutting it up with my dad and can tell he's a character. You yeah. Know? And he had a couple of other little tattoos, I can't remember him, but his name was Sharky. I okay. remember yeah. that. 
Shackie and the Boston vernacular. But yeah, that was the first time. And then I was, you know, fascinated with it. But, you know, it didn't, I didn't think of it as a, you know, I never thought about how it was done or yeah. career. So I was yeah, too young. Yeah, just for a picture. Probably 10 or 11, I would take the subway downtown Boston to uh, Boston Common, a, a park. And at the subway station, there would be a lot of times of the year, the sword swallower that mm -hmm. did it with his shirt off. Oh, and yeah. He was all tattooed and had the wow. beautiful pharaoh's horses on his chest. I'll never forget it. Yeah. I'd just watch him and awe. But it was that guy, Sailor Don. Oh, yeah. Don Leslie. Right? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it was, it was cool that, you know, 30 years later, I got to be friends with him in California, <laughs> you know. Still got his forty-five record. That's a collector's. <laughs> oh, cool! Man. But yeah, he told me some genius stories. But then I went to when it first, you know, clicked into. This is what I got to do. Was mm -hmm. when I went to, with the older guys from the neighborhood. Mark Hurley, he the guy that ended up teaching me. Mm -hmm. We went to. He went, you know, he was going to get tattooed, and we went to Buddy Mott's in Rhode Island. Okay. Now, that was a, a fucking really great old tattooer. And unless you were, he opened at 6, and unless you were there at like 4.30 in the afternoon, mm. lined up all front, you yeah. weren't getting tattooed. Wow, you know? was that busy? And when... I got there, he was tattooing a Hell's Angel. Mm. You know, he walked in the shop, and I don't think he had changed anything since before the war, yeah. right after, you know, maybe the, it was just, you know, like walking into a time capsule, yeah. it just had the stickest atmosphere. And I was like, oh my God, Yeah. looked like around, magic. like, this is it, yeah. man, this is all I ever want, man. Yeah. And he was doing a Hell's Angel patch. And he had, just had the arch for the bottom. Yeah. And he's writing fucking Massachusetts freehand. And it's perfect, like what we call pipe printing. And I can't even smell, spell Massachusetts. <laughs> I'm from there. And he's, you know, tattooing it in this perfect, evenly spaced. Yeah. He was, he was amazing. Cool. Did you get tattooed on that visit, Mark? No, no, I was too young. I didn't okay. get tattooed on that visit, and I never ended up getting tattooed by him. I got yeah. tattooed by a woman in Newport the first time, this oh, woman, wow. Ruby, and she did some hearts and ankles on my... Oh, cool. Ankle. Yeah, Ruby. Can you remember hearts her last time? No, I no. don't. But you had to walk through Jean's clam bar to get her <laughs> to her shop in no her way. back. It was funky. It was tiny. <laughs> this big. But you know what? Tattoo a little, little bad, man. Cool. Still, Still there. Fucking, Sweet. You know, that ain't bad at all. What were the all, names right? you had in it? It had Betty in there. Cool. My high school sweetheart. Oh, nice. Do you and, remember getting, were you nervous when you went to get it done? Wanted it so bad, it probably wasn't. That shit yeah. hurt, though. Yeah, I bet. But, um, you know, I tried to hide it from my mother, and even then, at 16, I was wearing see-through pimp socks. Yeah. And 
I'm getting ready to go out one night and she looks to him and sees that. Oh. What the fuck is that? <laughs> mortified. We'll so now, every day at the shop, kids come in with their mothers to get tattooed. It's like every day is mother-daughter day. I can't yeah. believe it, how yeah. socially acceptable this is. But back then is. it just wasn't, was it? No, it was great. You know, your mother would have thought that probably looking at Don Leslie, you know, being freak show, that's probably how she looked at tattooing, oh, wasn't yeah, it? Like, yeah, down and out some freaks, yeah. yeah. It had the desired effect you probably wanted, though, yeah, getting yeah, the tattoo. Exactly. <laughs> you wouldn't have wanted her to go, that's lovely, Mark. No, I wish, they, I wish they still had that kind of fucking power that on effect. people, you know? Yeah, definitely. You have to get a swastika on your nose to get a rise out of an old lady at the supermarket. <laughs> How did it go on from there then, Mark? So did she do your first tattoo, did you say? She did yeah. my first, and then I got tattooed by this great guy, Ronnie, mm. whose shop is still down there. He passed away. Okay. And I just went and spent time down there with the guys. He's got some really nice, respectful kids at Ronnie's, and mm. that's in the ghetto. Okay. And while we were there, Buddy Mott's daughter came down to visit. They were shooting this documentary on me, and it was yeah. one of my favorite parts. And Buddy Mott's daughter came down with a bunch of, you know, memorabilia. Oh, she nice. gave me a bunch of stuff. Oh, cool. And it was like, you know, Rhode Island tattoo reunion. Wow. And it was so cool. Bringing it full circle. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. really, really a wonderful, wonderful day. The kids at, at, at Ronnie's are amazing. And Ronnie could, he drew a perfect swallow mm. on my chest with C'est la vie yeah. printing and tattooed it on while he was watching Johnny Carson the whole time. I don't think he even <laughs> looked at the tattoo. It just came, muscle memory, isn't it? He just it, done it so many it times. It came out well. great, except for it had an extra apostrophe. <laughs> In the C'est la vie. Oh, yeah? So I tell him, Ronnie, um, check it out. It looks great, but it's got an extra apostrophe. And you yeah. know what he says, right? He says, C'est la vie. <laughs> that was, it was like my first lesson in tattooing. Yeah. This is an imperfect art. You <laughs> exactly. know what I mean? It's what it is. <laughs> you, can tr you can do your best all day long, but there's going to be something you don't like about it. And you're done. I hate looking at my work. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then, how long after that did you start to think that you'd want to do it? So oh, thought, as soon as I went into Buddy Monster. Oh, yeah, that was yeah, it. Yeah, that was it. Yeah. And so I was probably 16. Okay. And Mark Hurley, he's the guy that brought me. He was like the leader of our greaser gang. Yeah. He joined the Navy. And he learned how to tattoo while he was stationed in Jacksonville, Florida. I think the guy's name was Cool Hand Luke that, yeah. that taught him. Okay. And then he came back and arrived on my doorstep with a case of Budweiser <laughs> and all his tattoo equipment piled on wow. top of it and told me I was going to tattoo his back, you know. We had always drawn, you know, we'd drawn together. We had a little drawing competition at school. Yeah. And both wanted to do it. Yeah. And so I started and I drew a, you know, we set up the machines, 
to a walking tiger on his back. Yeah. And I'm ready to tattoo it. You know, he's like sitting like I am. I draw it on. Yeah. I'm ready to tattoo it. And he stands up and it becomes a dachshund. You know? becomes... <laughs> so I was like, oh, shit. Man. I guess you got to draw the shit when it's standing up. Good job he stood up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Another one of them lessons that <laughs> yeah. you learn, you know. That was my first thing, a big, big tiger wow. like that. That was the know? first tattoo. Yeah, I put color in and Did everything. You? Wow. You just sort of learned as you went with it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But you had an idea from watching, were you yeah, watching yeah, when you were getting yeah, tattoos? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, watching close. And he, it, it, the guy in Florida sort of told him how to set the machines up yeah, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. exactly, yeah. So you yeah. had a much better idea than... You weren't starting right No, I wasn't fucking, you know, from Jump Street. I yeah. had a little, little direction. Yeah. And, you know, Mark Hurley, he, he has a shop in Rhode Island. He's been working there since... He's had it since 77. Cool. And never put a stencil on Wow. Everything's been hand-drawn. Every, every, everything. Yeah. And he's worked the shop by himself most of his time. It's a really Impressive. amazing place. And he's got a really cool, unique style and way of doing it. Mm. Do, you, do you think you'd have found a way in, Mark, if it wasn't for him? Do you think if he hadn't have gone to Florida... That, that's a great question, you know... Um, I had kind of asked around in Rhode Island, you know, like I was like, asked this guy, I was getting tattooed by this mean biker guy, mm. Rusty, you know, like, hey, you know, so how do you learn, you know, yeah. is there a tattoo school? And he's like, yeah, reform school. <laughs> I'm like, well, yeah, you know, I would love to learn. And he's like, well, you can't, you know. What I mean? <laughs> was, and probably, you know, I'm not that pushy. Yeah. So I might, it might have been real hard for yeah, me. Yeah, that know? might have been it. Yeah, it might have been it. Yeah. Without Mark's help, mm. I don't think I would, you know, besides the fact that it was an hour from where I lived, you yeah. know, drive down from Boston. Yeah. And Providence was a fucking shithole then. It was great, man. <laughs> yeah, you liked it. Yeah. yeah. It has, you know, it's been rejuvenated like a lot of places but it was rough yeah it had a nice cool mm -hmm. vibe to it mm -hmm. after you done that tiger then did, did you do more tattoos on him or then? oh yeah, yeah yeah then i ended up uh doing some palm trees on him cool. and i think when i was doing that this friend of mine nan golden who's a photographer uh, yeah our yeah. photographer wow yeah cool. so she was around and took pictures of me doing oh wow the, you know, maybe my second tattoo was wow. like those palm trees there, you know, and she has these beautiful art photographs of cool. that. Yeah, she's an amazing photographer. Oh, cool. I'm glad you know who she is. She's yeah. an amazing human being, yeah. man. She's still my buddy. Oh, cool. That's great to get such amazing photos of something that was so Yeah, early yeah, on I'm really blessed because well. I never had a, never owned a camera. I've always been kind of afraid of them. Yeah. But I've been lucky to be around some great uh, photographers. Yeah, been able to it take pictures it. for me. Yeah, you know? it's nice to have it documented like that, isn't it? Yeah. Your career in that way. Were you tattooing at home then to start with, Mark? Yeah, I was tattooing at, you know, your house mm. and 
the motorcycle clubhouse. You know? Oh, wow. I would go, I had these <laughs> friends as Club the Centaurs, and I would tattoo in their clubhouse almost every week, you know? Yeah. And then they were in the process of merging with the Hells Angels, you mm. know? And uh, they would bring me up to uh, Lowell, I think it was, to tattoo the Hells Angels. And, uh, you know, I'm 19 years old, you know, and looking back on it, I was like, wow, you know, why weren't you nervous? Yeah. And yeah. these guys treated me so fucking good, you yeah. know, I, uh, I'm so grateful. At one point, um, getting ready to tattoo, I think it was the first time I went up to the Hells Angels Clubhouse and I'm tattooing this guy. His name was Big Al, who became my buddy, but he's big. Yeah. And tattooing him, like kind of on the small of his back. And they had picked me up in a pickup truck and my box of tattoo shit's in the back. And they drive me up there an hour and a half. Yeah. And it's like 10 degrees out, which is, I don't know what it is here, but it's fucking God. freezing, yeah. you know. So we get there and you know, they got a fire burning and this big kind of barn-like thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, I set up on this little table and I spray him with the spray bottle on the small of his back and it's freezing cold. And he rears back and fucking, you know, sends me back, <laughs> my chair back, the table over, all my tattoo oh. shit, fucking ink spilled. I'm looking up at this huge swastika on the ceiling, yeah, and I had the I had, in that second I was like, you know, you could you could be nervous now. Yeah, yeah. Now you could the time. you could be you could be nervous, but I also knew that if I let myself be nervous, then yeah, I'd be fucked forever. Yeah, you know. So oh, I was yeah. like, I just this got is up. your test. Yeah, this yeah. Is my test, right? So I got up and <laughs> set the ship back up. And, Got down to business. Wow. Man. What did you do on him? Can you remember? I think I was, I think he had a peacock. Cool. And I think I was extending the tail. Oh, nice. Yeah. So yeah. not too much pressure, but yeah. still pressure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. Did you tattoo amongst the Hells Angels for a while then? Did that last? Yeah, yeah. That, that was, you know, like my first year of tattooing was almost exclusively, you know, clubhouses or it runs wow. and I had a couple people you know would have tattoo parties in their kitchen and <laughs> then like I had gone to art school for I think about three or four months and that's where I met Nan Golden okay this other guy David Armstrong and they were like the cool kids in this fucked up hippy dippy art school I hated yeah and they were uh, getting ready to move to New York. Cool. So I was like, yeah, I'm gonna move to New York. So after tattooing maybe a year or so, mm -hmm. I moved to New York with those guys. Cool. And it was also illegal in Manhattan. You yeah. Know? So it was underground there too. And, you know, lived right around the corner from CBGB's. Wow. And almost Little Italy in a great little place. A tattoo out of there, but I still had to go. It was business was slow for me yeah. in New York at that time. You know, not that many 
people, even on the punk rock scene, were getting tattooed. You know? So is this the 70s, Mark? Yeah, this yeah, is yeah. like, now at this point, it's like 78. Cool. And uh, I'd have to go back to Boston to make some yeah, you know, money. Yeah, you know? because when you start, most, most of the tattooing people you know, aren't you? You know, like, there's no, there's no like, advertising, there's no, like, there's none of that, was there? So right, right. when you're working for yourself and you're working from a house, the only people you're going to tattoo is the people you know. And when right. you move to a city where you only know the people that you've right. gone with. Yeah, it was tricky, man. Yeah, really hard. And then did you start, how did you get out of that sort of phase then of being in New York and living in, were you working then? Did you have yeah, another yeah, job yeah, then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. I haven't had a job since I started tattooing. Cool, you know, sweet. Yeah, so you yeah, were just yeah. grinding it out tattooing in New York? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you know yeah. other tattooers like in New York at that time? No, no, I didn't, you know. There was Tom DeVito working of course. in the Lower East Side. Yeah. And, you know. The Moskowitz would have still been around then? Mm, yeah, they, they were already they in Long Island. They were in Long know? Island by then, yeah. But, uh... You know, Tony Polito working in Brooklyn. And yeah. I see these guys, beautiful work. Yeah. You know? And, uh, but I, you know, I don't think I ever met either one of them no. at the time. You know? Yeah. You were doing traditional, well, as we know it, as traditional then, weren't you? Yeah, you, you were know, doing that's, that's and all there was. Yeah, skulls. that's kind of all there was, you yeah. know. I would bring the Spalding and Rogers catalog. Mm. And it had pages of flash, you know, printed, Mini. you know, tiny yeah. little things. And it'd say, I want that. And I'd draw it on, you know, it was good. You'd just look at it and then yeah. the mini version and just yeah. make a big version. Yeah, you yeah. know, it's good exercise because yeah. I had never drawn a lion before. You no. know, I drew like, you know, Revolutionary War shit when I was a kid. Yeah. And then choppers when <laughs> I turned 10, you know, <laughs> that's all I ever drew. Yeah. So. I could draw a motorcycle on these guys real easy. But, you know, a rose and that stuff was yeah. okay. Yeah, a bit more alien, weren't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alien's a good yeah. word. So you had the catalogue there to reference. Mm -hmm. Cool. Did you enjoy, enjoy tattooing that stuff? That oh, one? yeah, I yeah. loved it. Man. Yeah. I had a, you know, I always had a hard time with colour. I always thought colour was hard. Yeah, you know? packing it in. And I think colour wasn't as good back then. And, no. you know, like I say, I was, you know, kind of, you know, untaught or whatever at mm. that time. Yeah. So. Still in New York, you were still trying to figure it out, really, because yeah, you're only in, like, yeah. year two or whatever tattooing, aren't you? You're still right. so green. Right. And, I, and, you know, I wasn't tattooing every day, no. you know, so you can't really get it to your tattoo no. every day. No. You know? Progress is so slow, isn't it, when mm -hmm. you're... When you're trying to figure it out, because there's so many things that can go wrong or reasons right, why things right. aren't working and stuff. And how long were you in New York for then? So I was back and I lived in New York '78 and '79 and '80, mm. and back and forth to Boston. Yeah, you know, making some dough, and then uh, in early '80, I decided I need to go to California. Yeah. Every time I saw it, like in the biker world and in the, you know, punk rock, you know, downtown music scene, uh -huh. every time I saw a really good tattoo, I'd ask the person where they got it and they said, California. Right. You know? Yeah. And I remember this, uh, 
like biker guy came from a different club. The club was having a uh, a, a party for me in mm. the outside, like a going away party and a thing to raise money. Mm. And I sat, you know, sat myself up outside in this nice backyard down at Cape Cod Man. and uh, tattooed all weekend, you know, probably yeah. snorting speed and tattooing, you know, <laughs> four days in a row. Yeah. But this one guy comes up and he's He's definitely California. He don't fit in. He's got long blonde hair. Yeah. He's got a, uh, his patch says California on yeah. the bottom rocker. And a whole different animal than right. the bikers I had seen. Yeah. And he had these beautiful color, you know, Harley Eagle and shields. And just I was like, oh, my God, mm -hmm. where did you get those tattoos? You mm -hmm. know, that was the best shit I ever saw. Yeah. And he said, uh, oh, I got him uh, in Long Beach, California, a place called The Pike. Yeah. And I was like, oh, man, cool. I, I, uh, I'm getting ready to go to California. That's, you know, what we're doing here is raising me money to move out there. Mm. I'm going to go check it out. Yeah. And he tells me, oh, don't bother, kid. They only hire people that are good. <laughs> I'm like, what the fucking asshole? <laughs> Well, put down. Like, like you're going away party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, you know, like three weeks later, I got a job at the Pike. Fuck him. I was waiting for him, <laughs> waiting for him to walk in and get a fucking extra painful tattoo. <laughs> it's quite a brave move then, Mark, to move, because you moved from Boston to New York, then New York to, to, to California and stuff. Quite bold to be moving around. You know, looking work. looking back on it, I think it really was the whole starting the tattoo thing, and mm. I ain't that bold no more. You yeah. know, I, I uh, look back on that and like, who was that person? And I don't think I was that bold then, but you know what? I wanted to tattoo so bad, yeah. I didn't give a fuck about that anything else. You know what I mean? Yeah, if it was for fucking. Sure. You were just chasing it at that point, weren't you? Yeah, if it was in the middle of a, you know, war zone or whatever, yeah, I would, you'd I have would been do there it because I on. wanted to do it. You yeah, know, so sure. bad. Everything else was That's didn't really matter. Such magic, isn't it? Like when you get caught up in it, that mist of everything, you just you're just like tunnel vision on it, aren't you? Yeah, and you just and you and you do one, and you think to yourself, I couldn't have done that a couple of weeks ago, yeah. you know, and then. A couple weeks later, like, damn, I couldn't have done that a month ago. And it's yeah. an amazing feeling. Yeah, it's real a great alive, you know? Yeah. How did the job at the Pike come about then? So I went right to Bert Grimm's, yeah, you know, and Colonel Todd was working. Nice. And I told him, I'm looking for a job. He's like, oh, yeah? Yeah. And he goes, uh, have you worked anyplace else? I'm like, no, but I've, you know, done, you know, Hundred tattoos, yeah. a couple hundred tattoos. Yeah. He's like, oh yeah. He says, okay, why don't you come down tomorrow with your equipment and somebody to tattoo, and we'll see what happens. Yeah. So my friend, who I moved out here to live with, yeah. was in the Merchant Marines, Eddie Devine. Yeah. And nice. I'm like, Eddie, I got a tattoo. You? He's like, I don't want a tattoo. We didn't have any at the time, you know. <laughs> I'm like, no, please, man, let me job. tattoo you. So um, he's like, okay, you can tattoo my legs. So 
he wanted a a heart with a cross and an anchor. Yeah, nice. Little, you know, cool. super classic. Yeah. And so I go down there and Todd's like, okay, let me see your machines. And, you know, old Spalding and Rogers machines. Mm. And he looks at him and he laughs, you know. <laughs> and he tells, and he calls over one of the tattooers, Gary Fink, he goes, hey, Gary, come on over here. Look at this boy's machine. <laughs> and he said, you imagine that? He's going to tattoo his friend with that machine. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I think they like per purposely like make you nervous, try to rattle you yeah, when you're just doing your job. first tattoo, you know. Yeah. So uh, I drew the thing on with a pen and did it. And, you know, I got a job, but not at Burt Grimm's at this. They had a shop down the street called the Rose Tattoo that was actually on the pike. And the pike was like a boardwalk, yeah. like a, a strip of amusement, mm. you know, closed down uh, roller coaster and arcades. And yeah. It was on its last leg, but it had four or five tattoo shops yeah. all working. So uh -huh. we had this vicious competition. Yeah between them, you know, they wow. were kind of the, they were like the enemy, you know. Mm. Colonel Todd would say every night when he was going home, there was a shop across the street owned by this guy, Captain Jim, and this guy already ran a sweet Mexican guy. Mm. So he, literally every night he'd come down at six when he was done with work and say, why hell, Mark, that shop across the street, that guy, Artis, he's a nice guy, but the guy that owns it, Captain Jim's a piece of shit. So if you want to throw a firebomb on the roof of that shop, I'll buy you a steak dinner. <laughs> and they tell me every night. Really? You know, in I the think, hope you do it. And I hope I do it. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, I think, you know, a lot of people listening will understand that, but for some people listening, they won't understand that at that time, you just didn't open up on somebody, did no, you? No, man, like, it was, it was fucking a... gangster, man. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was it was definitely serious. Because it was money, wasn't it? You're messing with someone's money if you open up on the same yeah, block the, or the, wall street or whatever. The way it was put is you're taking food out of my baby's mouth. Yeah. You know, whether you had a baby or not, yeah. that's what you said. <laughs> yeah, you know? literally, yeah. Wow. Who was at the Rose Tattoo Shop then that you went to that was on the pike? Was it was it... just a, a, a biker guy and a cholo guy. And yeah. They had real red man, nobody really good. Cool. But uh, at the at Burke Grimm's, there was Rick Walters. Wow. And, uh, this girl Jane Nemhaus, or this Calamity Jane, who had unbelievable work from Bob Roberts yeah. and Ed Hardy. She had a merry-go-round horse on her chest from Ed, mm. you know, and that stuff was so beyond anything you thought yeah, could be done. Definitely. It looks with impossible. A, with a tattoo machine. Mm. And then I think she had one from Jack Rudy. I can't remember what it was, but I, you know, I can't remember if that was the first black and gray LA thing I saw. Mm. 
But then when I, as soon as I saw that shit, I was like, oh man, fuck color. I need really? To, I need to learn how to do that oh. shit, the very first thing. And I think maybe it was something from Freddie. I know Jane has some stuff from Freddie. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, that line, that shading, that's, I mean, it was like the way I drew. You right. Know, fucking, yeah. I never drew with color when I was a kid. And no, I get the it was never heavy. It was box never... of Crayolas, fucking after a week, the black would be a half an inch long and the rest, <laughs> the rest of them would be untouched, new. you know, so. That became my mission. Okay, and that's when the light came on about the the fine line stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because up until that point, everything, pretty much anyone that had a tattoo at that time, it would have been like a heavy tattoo. Yeah, that's it? all it was. It man. would have been that traditional or old school, whatever you want to call it, is what the style was at that. Point. That's all. It there was. wasn't multi styles like there is right. now. That's all it was, and you know, I was I was lucky that. You know, I had a like a apprenticeship after the fact. I had already been tattooing for a few years, but you know, Todd down there hammered, you know, the fucking basics yeah. into me. You know, fucking learned about machines, and you know, he was a you know machine genius, yeah. Todd. And Bob Shaw owned the place, you know, yeah. and he was living in Texas at the time, uh -huh. but he'd come to visit. And he was such an amazing person. Man. Yeah. He was like the fucking sweetest little guy you ever want to meet cool. in your life. And then his son Bobby Jr. was like a little monster, just a fucking <laughs> badass, wanted to beat everybody up, and he could. <laughs> and I think he beat too many people up in Long Beach, yeah. and they had to go to Texas. Texas, yeah. But he was a great tattooer. Yeah, amazing. Quite a cool, to yeah, from. that's a cool little tattoo family right yeah, there, and I think Bob Shaw is one of the greats. And I have, you know, a little collection of old Flash, and the Bob Shaw shit just has this perfection that other Flash don't have. Cool. You know, yeah, he's he had it. Man. Yeah, there's definitely something about the way people drew things slightly differently that just gave it like a nuance or like a really nice style. Yeah, yeah. And you could tell people's work apart then, couldn't you? Oh, absolutely. You know, there was maybe five or six shops like between San Diego and Ventura. Mm. And, you know, just three or four in the L.A. area. So the cops, which their station wasn't far from the thing, mm. If they found a dead body and they couldn't identify it, if it had a tattoo, yeah. they'd bring down pictures of the tattoo. And, you know, Todd and Rick Walters and could like immediately say, oh, he got that downtown of Fifth yeah. and Main, you know, yeah. he got that. And, you know, exactly by the person. That yeah, person. yeah, yeah. I got, yeah. you know, I got to learn that, yeah. you know, too. It's, um, you're right, It's it was everybody, you know, you could do the same. Heart and Rose, but everybody does it a little different, yeah. you know. So once you saw that, once you saw that that first fine line tattoo, whether it was Freddie or Jack, how did you then <clears throat> in your head were you trying was, to figure out how to yeah, do it? Yeah, it was it was Freddie, I think. Yeah, but um, 
I was like, you know, Jane told me about Good Time Charlie's, right. you know, and I think she took me over there for the first time and introduced me to Jack. Freddie had stopped tattooing at the time, and Good Time Charlie's was such a cool little chapel yeah. of fucking black and grayness right on Whittier Boulevard. and Yeah, I've seen a picture of it. It was, you know, these like low riding gangland Mexicans were such a, a, a cool new thing to me. You yeah. know, I had never met a Mexican no. before. No. Uh, I remember, uh, you know, low rider guy was getting tattooed by Todd at the Pike, by Rick at the Pike. Yeah. And he had a t-shirt with a 58 Chevy. And you know, me and Mark Curley, we had a greaser gang and we tried to live in the 50s and had yeah. old cars and yeah. greased our hair back and everything. So this guy's getting tattooed and he's got this t-shirt and it's got some Spanish writing and it says, Rucas, Caruchas y Rolas, And I'm like, what does that mean? He goes, well, Ruka, that's your... Uh, that's your your girlfriend from the neighborhood. That's like uh, your first love. And yeah. he says, Carucha. Uh, He's like, oh, that's your, that's your car. That's your bomb. That's your pride and joy. I'm like, yeah. And he's like, what's Irola? He goes, that's my, that's your favorite song. Your favorite oh, old wow. song, you know. And, uh, and I said, I'm like, what is Somiondo? And he's like, uh, that means that's my spirit, that's my thing. Wow. And it was like a little window in the lower riding culture, okay. you know. It was yeah. like a fucking whole wow. Just education yeah. in, a, in a couple of minutes, man. It was fucking great. And I'm like, I'm down for all that shit. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's good shit, you yeah. know. That's, that's pretty much what I live and breathe, too, you know. Yeah. So yeah, I just kind of went in search of of being able to mix the thing. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 exactly. But it's a very different tattoo uh, skill skill set, isn't it? Yeah, to what yeah. you were used to, you were used to basically like burying it in and getting it on, weren't you? Whereas there's much more finesse to that. And stuff. I think what a lot of people don't know is. People fucking hated the idea of single needle tattoos and oh. black and gray tattoos. Like old time tattooers were, oh, that's just scratching and that's yeah. just gonna fall out. And I mean, and it, and it was fucking real and it was pervasive mm. and they fucking hated it. Wow. You know, they were like, that ain't tattooing. And wow. Even Todd was like, he wouldn't uh, let us do single needle at the time, you know. I had to go down and go to one of the enemy's shop with this great lowrider tattooer, Sapo, mm -hmm. tattooed. And he gave me some single needles and showed me how to make them. And yeah. that kind of helped everything, you know. And we had flat shaders, you know. Yeah. And they were, they were, you know, good for packing in color and you could do whip shading, but not until this guy, Horse, a penitentiary tattooer. That's, did you ever hear of Horse? No. So, when Ed Hardy was all big on the black and gray stuff in yeah. 77, yeah. fucking 
it kind of blew up and he opened up, or it was before he opened up Tattoo Land, mm -hmm. but uh, he uh, got all into it and he got a horse out of San Quentin on a work furlough to work for him wow. at, I think it was called Tattoo City, the yeah. shop he had. And Horse just did this amazing black and gray stuff. And the whole time I worked at Good Time Charlie's, fucking downtown, I mean, in East LA, and then in Anaheim. So the years I worked there, there was Jack Rudy at his station had a little picture of a sea monster yeah. that Horse had done. And he said he thought it was the best black and gray piece ever. Wow. And Jack Stingy would have compliment. But Horse was this great old fucking dope fiend arm robber guy. Yeah. And one night he comes to my house and he's like, we're going to make magnums, you know, and we shoot some dope and fucking made magnums all, all night, you know. And then the next day, I think I had already been tattooed by Jack mm. at that point. Yeah. And, you know, just saw that gray going in. Mm. And so, you know, he hooked me up with the Magnum thing. And that changed everything. Yeah. You know? That was, I was like, oh, fuck, that's how they do it. You yeah. Know? And I was kind of off and running thanks to Sapo and Horse. Horse. You know? It was... Yeah, a lot of people probably won't realize how influential someone like Horse was on yeah, Black and Yeah, I think really Horse was, and he was such a fucking cool, interesting, smart person. Yeah. You should kind of look Horse up. Yeah. He was, you know, one of the original guys. Yeah. You know? Well, that I, style kind of, did it kind of originate in prison then? Is yeah, that, that's kind yeah, of where it originated the, in prison and then came to the, you know, gang culture of, you know, East Los Angeles. And I mean, that's what it is. And because of that, you know, like people thought it was, you know, bad shit and yeah. people weren't into it. And it was the racist fucking part of it. Yeah. And lots of, you know, I try to pitch fucking kids into getting black and gray stuff. And they'd be like, oh, that's that beaner shit. Oh, I don't yeah. want that. And yeah. And tattooers all thought it was fucking gonna fall out and it wasn't real tattoos, you know? And yeah. I can't express enough how strong that was. So you really felt like you were bucking the tide doing black yeah. and gray, you know? Especially when I was at the Pike, I was like, damn, it's just, you know, yeah. making it, it hard. really out of place. Yeah, yeah, making it hard. But Rick Walters was always really supportive of me. And, cool. uh, had become like a father figure to me down there. Mm. And I don't know if you know that story about when Rick was tattooing a kid. There were these, like, we used to call them sidewalk commandos, like kids <laughs> that got Harley tattoos. Like, Long Beach was a kind of real biker town. Yeah. So these three kids are in there and getting Harley tattoos, and they probably don't have a bike. But, yeah. um,. <laughs> Rick's doing this, I remember, it was the Harley, it's called the Oak Leaf on this guy. Mm. And I think it was $38. They had weird prices on yeah. that thing. Yeah. 
and he's got it all done in black. And the only color it has is a little like glow behind it, like yeah. a little orange shading behind it. So he finishes with the black and the kid's like, oh man, I feel nauseous. I gotta take a break. So Rick's like, okay. Yeah. And he goes out the door and Rick's station's close to the door. And I go, Rick, you know what? I think that I had that fucking funny feeling, you know? I'm like, I think that motherfucker gonna run out on you. So I like, what? So Rick gets up and sure enough, the kid's getting into a little Dotson with the three other guys. Yeah. And Rick comes out and fucking stands like in the three quarter view of the car with his little pistol and shoots, <laughs> bam, shoots the windshield out, fucking. <laughs> and then they start driving towards him, trying to run him over. Oh, and he God. goes to shoot again, the gun jams takes it back, it's just a little 25 automatic, and he takes it back and then shoots, bam, 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 gets both side windows. You know, I think he got the back window too, like shot that, shot, emptied the whole clip in there, you know? <laughs> he's like, man, this motherfucker jammed. And he's like, Mark, do you have a gun? I go, no, he goes, you need one down here. And he gave me the fucking. <laughs> You know, his, his hot pistol right there, man. But, yeah, it was rough and tumble, man. Yeah, the it Wild was, West. It was rough. Yeah. There's that other famous story where I was coming back from lunch and Colonel Todd's fucking crouched behind the car having a shootout with these carny biker guys, you know? <laughs> so I had, I had a 38 at that point, and I'm like, well, shit, that's my boss, and there's two guys shooting over there. Like, yeah. I think I have to fucking join the party, you know what I mean? <laughs> so um, I got over there, and, you know, we're each crouched behind the car and shooting over at Big Doug, the guy's name was. And, you know, we drink with him every night, you know. I forget how it, you know, what pissed each other off. And, yeah, we're shooting at these carny motherfuckers, and... I'm hoping I'm not hitting nobody. And yeah. I don't think anybody got hit. And yeah. That was that. And probably the next week we were drinking with them in the checkerboard, which was <laughs> right on the checkerboard lounge, which was right on the pipe. Yeah. You know? It was cool about it. It was fun down yeah. there, man. When you got to Good Time Charlie's, did you feel like that was kind of home? You finally sort of figured out where that was where you wanted to be oh fuck yeah yeah i'm like oh man this is it this yeah. is like you know holy shrine you yeah. know and jack was so amazingly good you know and i think i you know i he told jack told me about his friend that he grew up with jimmy carranza that was had a shop in San Pedro doing black and gray. San mm. Pedro's just over the bridge from Long Beach. So Jack kind of suggested I go in with Jimmy. So okay. I left the Pike after about two years. It was, I mean, the first year I lived there, I lived in the back of the shop. And uh, it was just crazy. It had probably been a bar originally. It had a kitty corner door, and I'd sleep in the back. And yeah. it was like a maze getting back there, and it was haunted. And it was, yeah, it was, it was a trip. And my first license, it said, 
my, the address was number three, City of a Thousand, Street of a Thousand Lights. Wow. That was the official name of the pike. Cool. And when they opened up, the draw was the electric light, you know. It was new, so people would come down to see this, you know, area all decorated with lights. Yeah. Wish I still had that license. Yeah, that'd be cool, wouldn't it? But anyway, I went to San Pedro and worked over there for a while. Business was real slow. Yeah. All the white guys were on heroin and all the chicans were on PCP. Yeah. There didn't wasn't much more disposable income. Yeah. But Jimmy was great. I learned I learned some from him. And I think, you know, Jack had me in the farm team trying to warm me up to go to work. Oh, okay. Over there, you know. So yeah. then after a year and a half maybe in Pedro I started working at Good Time Charlie's. Wow. That's wild. Yeah, that was amazing. Yeah. And then, how long was you at Good Time Charlie's for then? So we were in East LA, I think, less than a year. Yeah. And Ed wanted to sell, Ed Hardy owned the building at the time. Right. Good Time Charlie had retired. Right. And Ed didn't want Freddie and Jack not to have a place. Mm. So he bought it out of the goodness of his heart, and then he wanted to sell it, and we ended up moving to Anaheim. I don't know why Jack chose Anaheim, it was Orange County, and it was, you know, a whole different groove. Yeah. But I worked in East L.A. for a year, and then in Anaheim maybe for a couple years, you know. I worked with Jack a long time, and... Uh, I learned so much from him, man. And Jack was such an amazing tattooer, is such an amazing tattooer, and had this consistency that was amazing to me. It was always great. And I worked with Mike Brown all the time. Yeah. And I felt honored that I kind of, you know, took Freddie's place. You know, it was Freddie, Mike, and Jack. Yeah for most of the time before. And then Freddie quit tattooing and I got in over there and uh, Mike Brown was gracious with me and taught me stuff. He didn't talk to me for the first three or four months. <laughs> he's, you know, Mike is shy and he's quiet. I thought he hated me. Yeah. And then I did a a, a name and I was like, on a guy, and I showed Mike, I'm like, hey Mike, check this out. And he's like, oh, that's good. And I was like, oh my Ooh. God, it was meant so much to me. Yeah. I'm like, he likes me, Mike <laughs> likes me. <laughs> Validation. Yeah, 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 it was, tattooers were grumpy, you know. Yeah, you didn't get a lot out of them, did you? We, you know, on the pike, names were $5. Wow. So we'd do, you know, in the course of a day, we'd do, you know, hopefully three or four names. Yeah. And we'd do fucking tattoos. I hated, like, Yosemite Sam. We did him a lot. I hated that fucking guy. Yeah. I literally tattooed him, like, almost every day. <laughs> and he's got them two guns sticking out. And, like, finally I'm at the point I asked one of these guys... Hey, can we do it with the two guns, like, aiming yeah. towards his head? 
Yeah, fuck, I want to kill myself and do another one of these fucking things. That's, I was happy to get out of there and get to East L.A. And yeah, try to do something a bit different. Yeah, tattoo some Jesus heads and some beautiful Mexican girls. And yeah. Yeah, it was, you know, just the stuff was so gorgeous. Yeah. And the, the clients were so cool and fucking dressed so sharp. Cholos were so, you know impeccable and everything was ironed, you yeah. know, and their hair was perfect and their cars were amazing, mm. you know, and there was a cool parking lot up front. And then on Saturdays, it was cruise night, you know, and all the lowriders would drive in front of the shop, you know, mm. and they're going, you know, five miles an hour and there'd be a guy in between the lanes selling PCP sticks, you know, they'd dip. <laughs> Sherman cigarettes in the in the liquid okay. PCP and sell them, and you could smell the PCP and the exhaust fumes in the air. Wow. That was amazing. Vibe. I loved it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of saw that probably not on the same scale, but when I was in LA, there was a similar thing going on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They've been cruising lately yeah, for the first it. time in a long time, yeah. man. It was like a it ten year thing at least where the cops wouldn't let it. And yeah. You got there at a good time, just in the last, you know, year have they allowed it, you know? Yeah, it's a beautiful thing to see. It's, it's like a, nothing it's, else. It's an amazing thing to see. And it's almost like a parade. Yeah, right? yeah. It's a, um, I think someone told me that in, you know, Spain a hundred years ago, they did a thing where everybody would get dressed up and walk down the, you know, foot oh, cruise down the street yeah. and show off their finery, oh, you cool. know, so. Maybe it stems from that. I don't, yeah, I don't know if that's where the word promenade come from. Oh. I forget, but there was some Spanish word for it, and they were telling me that they thought that that was the roots of it, but cool. these guys had so much work in their cars, and mm. it was, you know, painted so beautifully a and, thing, and a lot of them had these at that point in time they had these crazy like gold crushed velvet interiors with chandeliers and <laughs> mirror mosaics and just you know wow beyond like yeah like a palace yeah. right like a little versailles inside yeah. your fucking 62 impala <laughs> yeah it was great that's man. cool yeah I was, you know and i've always been in love with cars so it was like a dream to me to see one right after the other. And my yeah. first car was a 60 Impala convertible. So I was, you know, I love that stuff. Mm. And I haven't had a, a Impala in, you know, since then, 40 years. So now I got the obsession that I, I need to buy one, you know. Yeah. I think when you get old, you want to buy the shit that you had when you were young. Oh, definitely. It comes back around again. Yeah, so I'm like obsessed That's you're on at the minute. finding an Impala. Yeah, I got oh. some other old cars I'm going to sell. and Yeah. Just get a fucking real nice Impala. Nice. Sweet. How did, how did you go then, Mark, from working at Good Time Charlie's to then eventually having your own shop then? You know, I worked at this one shop that was a pretty fucking amazing place. Mm. Ever heard of Fat George's? No. So that was in a barrio a little bit east of East L.A. And it was uh, 
the name of the barrio was Bassett, Bassett Grande, and the neighborhood was the, the night owl. Yeah. And it was, you know, a real, you know, deep cholo neighborhood. But this little shop, the rent was $275 a month, mm. and it was a little gold mine. You know, yeah. Todd had been, Todd and Bob Shaw had been partners on it for a while, and it was up and running. And then Fat George, this, you know, cholo guy from the neighborhood, lowrider guy, he mm. bought it. And such a great shop. It was so busy. You'd make, you know, amazing money, and it was so fun. It was, we had more laughs at Fat George's than I think anywhere I ever worked. Oh, yeah. That cholo sense of humor is really fucking, really good. There's some really fucking funny cholo genius yeah. cholo guys. But anyway, I'm working out there and, you know, I got a lot of people started out there. I got, you know, Corey Miller's first job there. Oh, and, wow. Quiet as it's kept, Carrie Barber's first job was there. Okay, you know? cool. And Danny Drinkenberg come in, and mm -hmm. his I got him in over there. So this little shop spawned a lot of, you know, big yeah. names, you know, and Fat George's, you know, unsung. He had a lot of early work of Charlie's and mm -hmm. Mike Brown's and Jack's, you know. And he had a tattoo from Jack that was like a, probably a three or a five needle and had color like when Jack oh, was, yeah. you know, before he was on, yeah, the, on the black and gray train. Yeah. And it was a Pink Panther <laughs> and it wasn't very good, you know. Yeah. So <laughs> there'd be parties at Good Time Charlie's and George was a wise ass, and he'd get a fucking group of people around, you know, and everybody, like, worshipped Jack, you know, because he was the man yeah. for, for forever. Yeah. And uh, he'd be like, you know what, I got an early Jack Rudy, you guys. This is a masterpiece. You got to check it out. I don't show it very often. And he'd get a fucking circle of yeah, people yeah. around. And then he'd fucking raise his shirt and show this fucking not very good. And people would be like, what? And fucking Jack would get so mad. <laughs> That's how he probably holds into this day. Yeah, 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 yeah. We all got those, you know, but fucking, oh, course, they ain't yeah. all on fucking wise asses like fat shorts. We want to fucking rub our nose in it, man. By that point then, Mark, had you started to think that you wanted your own shop? Like, the idea of having your own place appealed to you by that point, huh? You know what? I, was, I didn't put that much thought into it, Jack, to tell you the truth. I, um, I had moved to Hollywood and was driving down 3rd Street, this little, you know, street that wasn't very you know, built up, it was, in fact, there was, like, no businesses there. It was all, like, mostly empty storefronts. Yeah. And it was, you know, in the west part of Hollywood, almost West Hollywood, which became a nice neighborhood. So it was like a, a old-school Jewish neighborhood is uh -huh. what it was. So, um, but just driving down the street, and I saw this place for rent. Mm. And I was like, fuck, man. 
that's kind of cool. And it had this little kind of streamlined, modern fucking architecture. Man, I'm gonna call up about that place, man. It just kind of hit me. And that's how the first Shamrock came about. And uh, that was that was that was great. We had a good time down there, you know. I started to get, you know, real bad with drugs. I had been mm. fooling around with them the whole time, and. Uh, I had, you know, fooled around with drugs in New York, and one of the things I thought, I'd come to California and I wouldn't do them. You know? Right. And I, yeah. I didn't do them for a while, and then, you know, of course, got caught up. And yeah. Having my own shop, I was doing good, so my habit got bigger and bigger and yeah. bigger. And then I, uh, you know, met my wife, Nicole, and it occurred to me like, shit, well, maybe, you know, you know, someone like her likes me, maybe I'm a soul worth saving or something. Maybe I should try and get off this shit. Mm -hmm. So I ended up going to a rehab for, in those days you went for nine months, you know, wow. and it was real tough. They fucking, it, they, they kind of beat you up in there, you yeah. know, and that's the way it worked and have you, you dig a grave with a spoon, you know, yeah. and show you how you could, you know, that could be you, you know. Yeah. These demonstrative things, and, you know, that was super helpful to yeah. me, you know. And while I was in there, the guy I left running the shop kind of run into the ground, and oh. he was supposed to be, you know, taking care of me, fucking giving... Nicole some dough and he didn't he kind of fucking gangstered the shop and ended up taking all my old flash and all my equipment so oh. when I got out of rehab I, I had nothing yeah. you know? and that was I'm trying to think so 30 years ago whatever that would be that yeah. was probably so the 90s. 91 or yeah, something, you early know, 90s. and I had to start all over again, you know, from scratch. I had no car, I had no clothes, I had no nothing. Yeah. And uh, Rick Walters gave me a couple of machines. And that was another cool thing about working down the pike is, you know, Bob Shaw would give you a couple of machines when you started, mm. and then, you know, you they were so cheap, but there were these Bob Shaw swing gates that to this day, to me, are the best running tattoo machines of all time. Wow. And uh, they had the best, you know, vice for the tube. Mm. The swing gate thing it was just a, a genius thing that Bob came up with. And Todd was such a master at tuning up machines and that's a lost art too, you know. Yeah. And I think that thing about rotaries and if they start running funny, you throw it away, you know. Yeah. Your seven hundred fifty dollar fucking <laughs> vibrator, you, you throw it away, and you don't get to repair it. And, yeah. You know, I know everybody's fucking moving over to them, and you know, even Freddie's using rotaries now. Yeah. But you know, I'm a hold out, man. Mm. I like the 
And then by then, I suppose, that's when, like, actors started getting tattooed and stuff. Yeah, and even, like, you know, like, the hippie shit in L.A. I mean, in San Francisco, you know, Janis Joplin and fucking Lyle Tuttle. Yeah. Lyle Tuttle was on the Johnny Carson show, and that was fucking huge, you know, and he talks about tattooing. You know, probably lied about who he tattooed. You know, like everyone did at that like time. Like we all did. Yeah. So, um, yeah, uh, and I kind of, you know, rebuilt my reputation. You know, started getting busy, started building up a clientele. Mm. My work started looking better. Oh. Yeah, starting to have a life. You know, with Nicole and had a baby. You know, Molly, who's tattooing now, and, you know, things were different, you know. Yeah. Before that, I don't think I ever had a life. It was seven days a week. Yeah. All day. I mean, literally from when I got here in 1980 to, you know, I went to rehab, it was seven days a week, you know, and even at uh, Tattoo Mania, I think I worked six days a week, and it was like 12 to 2, you know. Yeah. You're in it, you know what I mean? And I think to, to get good at first, you have to be immersed in it and fucking, you can't be no. going fishing and no. doing, you know, you no, gotta give you gotta up. You gotta live it and breathe it. Yeah, right? you gotta give up whatever hobbies or whatever shit you got on the side. Mm-hmm. And at the beginning, you can't really even have a girlfriend, you know, tattooing becomes your girlfriend yeah. and you have to treat her good, you yeah, know. Yeah, for sure. And then you left, did you leave Gills then eventually? Yeah, like then I was, gonna, I was gonna buy Gills from, uh, you know, from him. He was getting ready to go back. He was gonna go to Texas and sell the shop and right. we had a deal worked out. And then I got outbid and oh. Gil sold it to somebody else, so I was bummed. Yeah. But I worked for that guy for another, you know, six months or something. And then his storefront came up for rent down the street. Sweet. And that's the, you know, the new Shamrock. And it was, uh, I had been looking around for a shop, and I think I went to nine places. And nobody wanted a tattoo shop, you know, mm. fucking, you know, it starts to be expensive, nice real estate up there. And, yeah. you know, it's West Hollywood. It's a different city. It's, um, you know, more expensive. And they didn't want a fucking tattoo shop. You no. know, I got refused. You know, what kind of business do you want to run? Yeah. You know, a tattoo shop. Like, oh, no, nah. that was it. Fucking. Yeah. So, like, eight times or something. And then this fucking really cool place that had been a record store. I had heard the guy was leaving, so I kind of, before it went on the market, I went and met with the landlord, and he was this amazing fucking legend guy that started Hot Rod Magazine and bought a bunch of, you know, real estate and bought, you know, a master best collection of antique cars yeah. And he was just the fucking coolest cat. Wow. And I, he's like, what kind of business do you want to run? Yeah. I'm like a tattoo shop. He's like, oh, great. Oh. You found, and you found yeah, the right person. Yeah, yeah. And 
I got in there and the rent was real reasonable and all the other tenants were like, oh man, it's so good over here. He doesn't ever raise the rent. He's uh -huh. such a class act, you know. And cool. Unfortunately, he got sick after I was only there maybe a year and a half and passed away. But he donated his car collection and a piece of land and it's now the uh, Peterson Auto Museum. And it's right on Museum Row on Wilshire Boulevard, you know, he made a huge oh, wow. contribution to L.A. culture, you know, and they have different shows and they had a great lowrider show. Okay. And yeah, that's that was that was really cool. And the building itself was built by Bing Crosby <laughs> to be his publishing. Oh, and, really? Cool. And Bing had an apartment on the top floor because he liked to hang out with the black jazz musicians mm. and he couldn't sit in a, in a club with them. They weren't yeah. allowed. They could play. But yeah. So he would go upstairs and, you know, the rumor has it that him and Louis Armstrong would smoke weed up there. That's you know, and there's this balcony that overlooks the city. Wow. And supposedly that he'd be up there with Louis Armstrong and Count Basie or whoever was, you know, in the neighborhood, and then do their thing up so, there, you know. It's, it's got a, a nice history to it. Yeah, 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 you can feel it, you know. It's a great old building, man. And that's where the shop still is now. Yeah, yeah, very lucky, very lucky to have it. And yeah. The day I was going to sign the lease was 9-11. Oh, so, you know, I get up and I'm getting ready to go sign the lease and, you know, I see that shit on TV and I'm like, damn. And then, you know, Mr. Peterson called me and says, you know, maybe we should do this, you know, tomorrow. Yeah. So, I'll never forget, you know, I signed the lease on September 12th. Yeah. And uh, it's our 20th anniversary this year. Oh, wow. Know? Yeah, it's the past 20 years. It's fucking huge. Cool. Very lucky. Yeah. Did you start to notice a change in your clientele then when you had, when you started opening that shop and you? Yeah, yeah, that's a good question, man. Um, yeah, slowly it became, you know, more like you know the Charles Bouchet thing, the elite and the underworld meet. That kind of yeah. became what was happening. You know, yeah. I had already been tattooing, you know, a bunch of celebrities and okay. I got to tattoo more and then that, you know, was, I'm on the border of Beverly Hills, so I started tattooing rich people. But I've always in my career tattooed the people that I started on. Yeah, you know? of course. So I still tattoo people that I tattooed at the Pike. And yeah. Lots of people that I tattooed in East LA and you know, that's what I like, this, you know, that combination, a mix of, yeah. of people, yeah. you know, I think that's what makes it, keeps it fresh and keeps it, keeps it cool, you know, yeah. when those people interact, you know, and it is a social club, they do, we do fucking, you know, chat it up. At the Pike, I'd always get in trouble because I would let somebody kicked back behind the rail with me, you know, yeah. and that was a sin, you yeah. know, Todd would always be yelling at me for that, but, <laughs> and, you know, when you went into a tattoo shop in those days and you said, 
what you wanted, the grumpy bastard would tell you, nah, you get what's on the wall and that's it, you know. And, and everybody was mean, you know yeah. what I mean? That was, that was the tattoo shop etiquette. And I was like, man, I'm gonna have, I'm gonna have a shop where you're nice, you know, people can be comfortable and hang out, you know. Yeah. So that's kind that's of. That's what you got now. Yeah, that's kind of what I got now. Cool. And then this, being in the mantrake where we are now, where we're recording this, this is something you've been doing for a few years, right? Like a uh, residency here. Right. I was the first artist in residence, and. It's amazing. I mean, it's such a fucking trippy, cool, magical hotel. And they set up this little shop that has really become like a home for me. You know, they set it up with, you know, some religious images and old flash and, you know, it kind of mimics the way the shamrock looks. Mm. And it's just the vibe in there has become and they treat me so well. And it's such a, like I say, an amazing, cool, haunted hotel with yeah. these, you know, different amazing things going on all the time, events. Last night, the, I met the CEO and the, like the top three brass from Rolls Royce were here, yeah. you know, and they had the Rolls Royces up front. Cool. And they were, you know, partying, and the guy's like, starts asking me, he wants to hear about the hip hop stuff. Mm. It's so funny that yeah. this, you know, executive guy goes right to, you know, tell me about Biggie, <laughs> tell me about. And then, you know, he made an appointment for today, and, you know, I had a cancellation for today, so. I was like, oh, great. But he ended up canceling. I kind of knew he wasn't yeah, going yeah, to get yeah. tattooed, you know, but at the yeah. moment. And the courage. Was, yeah, yeah, Dutch he was, courage. Yeah, he was into it. What do you call it? Dutch, <laughs> Dutch courage. courage. Yeah. You've had a drink and you feel a bit brave. Yeah, like, yeah. Really, really, really. that's what was going on, man. Cool.